just want to say something. I had something happen to me this Friday. I was riding down a neighborhood, and when I was a little kid, I used to love to clean my bicycle, like I do as an adult with my car. And I would get out those little SOS Brillo pads, and I would shine my rims, and I'd clean my white walls, and I'd shine my handlebars. And it was, you know, the 70s or the 60s back then when you had the banana seats with the big stingray handlebars and the sissy bars. And um, I loved my bike looking good. And I was riding in a neighborhood, and I saw a kid riding a very clean, shiny bike. And you know how sometimes you get a smell, and it instantly throws you back to another period of time? It's so weird. Well, when I saw that kid for a split second, I was thrown back to being like an eight or nine-year-old. And that total feeling of being light, you know, like no pressure, no responsibility. You didn't even have a paradigm for worrying about paying bills or any of the things that life puts on you as an adult. It was like this instant of this total carefreeness. And I thought of that in the first service when Natasha was talking about Kids Corner, because these kids don't have that. Even at five, six, seven, and eight years old, they live in a very different world than we lived in in the early 60s. Um, too much technology, too much information, too much garbage, but they live in a different world. They don't have the carefree childhood that we had. And uh, Natasha is doing an incredible thing, so we're going to ask her to come up. Every week we're going to be highlighting one of the Father's House Ministries, MCA, Healing Rooms. This week we're doing Kids Corner to give you an opportunity to learn more about it and also to get involved in it. So to, let's give Natasha a big hand. Good morning. Um, like I said in the first service, I know a lot of you guys know about Kids Corner, but for anybody that's new or don't know about Kids Corner, basically what Kids Corner is is an outreach here in Mooresville. And um, we go to kind of the rougher areas rougher neighborhoods in Mooresville, and we reach out to the children there. And um, our heart is really to, to find the most broken, messed up children we can find, you know, and the children that, that don't have the kind of life that uh, Dean was just talking about, you know, that just live in really unfortunate situations. Um, a lot of these parents, like I'm sure many of us, you know, have come from single-parent homes. They're one parent that might be there, might be working four jobs just to make men's eat, well, you know what I mean, ends meet, whatever, and, um, <laughs> or, you know, they might be strung out on drugs or just whatever, just to mend the pain in their own hearts, and these little kids are just left, to, you know, to fend for themselves, and so Kids Corner, we go out every Saturday on a tri-semester uh, basis, and we just want to bring God's love to them. Uh, we want to bring God's hope to them, and we want them to know that the Lord has a plan and a purpose for their life. Um, another thing that Kids Corner does is I'm all for kids getting saved. I was really excited last week when 15 of the kids got saved. And I think that's really great. But I don't think it should stop there. You know, it, it's not enough to just get a kid saved and then, well, good luck. You know, I'm sorry that you don't have anybody to teach you this stuff. And I'm sorry you come from a home where they're not walking this out. Good luck trying to figure it out, you know. So Kids Corner is really here to disciple these kids and to mentor them. And that's why we do this on a weekly basis. So um, just want to share a few short testimonies. Um, this semester, the Lord has really taken these kids to a different place in Him. And I wanted to share um, these little boys. Um, the taller boy in the red, his name is Keaton. And the little boy beside him is his brother named Keontae. And they are some sweet boys. Um, they started coming to Kids Corner last semester. And... Um, 
you know, some of the kids are a little, they're a little trouble, you know, they're foolish sometimes, but, you know, the Lord loves them and the Lord knows how to deal with them. And um, Keaton, over the past few weeks, has really started getting a hunger in his heart just for the Lord and a real curiosity, wanting to know what heaven is like. And he actually, um, during Easter, asked if he could go to heaven to meet Jesus. He was just, he wanted to know. He didn't know that he was still alive. We told him he was alive and he wanted to go meet him. And so he kind of led the kids into the salvation message, got saved. And this week, uh, Tony was sharing with the kids and he still had questions about heaven, just wanted to know all about it. And so it's really cool. I mean, the Lord's really doing some stuff in their hearts and lives. Then I have another picture. Um, Milt, is there another picture? Uh, yeah, that's Keaton again. And then there's one more. Um, this is the best picture I could find of her, but the little girl in the pink, with the pink pants and the black sweater, um, that is Crystal. She's been coming to Kids Corner since we first started. And this girl, it's amazing. You tell her something about the Bible and she just, she'll go do it. She'll go to school, tell all her friends. She just soaks it all in. And at the beginning of Kids Corner last semester, she would come to Kids Corner and just cry every week. Um, just felt rejected, and um, a lot of kids at school were making fun of her for her race and just felt like an outcast. And so at Kids Corner, we were just talking to her about God's family and how in God's family all races are welcomed. We're all one. We're all one big family. And something just went off in her head, and she was so excited. And the next day at Kids Corner, we were walking down the street, and we had this other little kid with us, and she was so proud, and she was like, guess what? She's like, I'm part of God's family, and he loves me no matter what race I am, and no matter what race you are, we're all one family, and super excited, and um, began to even tap into really being able to hear from the Lord, and um, just even some prophetic stuff. We started getting into reading the Bible together, and she was reading the Bible one day and came up to me, and she was like, so Miss Natasha, um, what happens if you start reading the Bible and then the Lord just starts talking to you about something completely different? And I'm like, well, that'll happen. I was like, you know, you should write it down. And, um, and, and she came up to me. She's like, well, I was reading the Bible and he, he just told me he's coming back soon. And I was like, well, that's really awesome. And, you know, so it's just really neat. They're really getting it. And she comes to Kids Corner and she's, she's a joy to be around. She doesn't really cry that much anymore. And so the Lord's doing a lot of healing and bringing them to different places. So it's really awesome. Um, just want to invite everybody to come out. Um, it's every Saturday. Uh, we would need you there at 2 o'clock. We'll be doing it till the end of May, and we're taking the month of June off, and then we'll start back again in July. And um, my heart is really I want to start branching out to other neighborhoods in Mooresville. And so if I can get some more help, that would really help us to be able to reach more children. So if that's something that's on your heart, you can come talk to me or email me. Um, our website is on the River Life website, so you can find me there, too. So, yeah. All right. Y'all all right? All right. Good. It's good to see everybody. Hey, Jake. You, you, did you go to Dubai? How was it? It was good? All right. Did you, keep, did you keep the four guys straight over there? Did they behave themselves? A little bit, yeah. Probably just a couple whoopings for squires or something. Yeah, so uh, we've had four guys in India all this week ministering over there at this uh, youth conference thing, and uh, the reports have been awesome, awesome reports. How many people have gotten those? Yeah, for the rest of you, basically, just the Lord has come in a big way 
And uh, I, I was excited for Marlon. It sounded like he had such fire and anointing on him that the other guys said, you preach the night sessions because this has had an awesome time. Something about uh, a song he taught in Swahili with hand motions and three white guys trying to do it. I don't know. It was, anyway, something like that. It's funny how young people are the same all over the world, you know, just do the same thing. So praise God for that. I guess they're coming home tomorrow. So, and I saw this, this uh, email to pray for their wives. So bless you wives. Thank you for letting them go. <laughs> so, all right. Um, this morning, that was pretty cool, that testimony that Byron shared, wasn't it? Um, about that encounter that he had just in the supernatural realm with the Lord. And um, that's perfect, actually, because that's what I want to talk about is uh, the supernatural and the supernatural realms. How many people believe that as Christians, you're primarily a supernatural being? Raise your hand. I mean, seriously. I mean, I mean if you're like me, sometimes I've got to hit myself in the physical head and let my spirit in on, on it. You know, like, hello, this guy down here in the spirit is meant to actually be me, not this guy in the head, you know, the mental me or the emotional me or whatever, the soul realm me. And uh, so I want to I talk about supernatural gifts is the topic this morning. And uh, I don't know if you remember, it's been a while since I got to speak, um, but uh, last in February sometime, I gave a part one in this series on spiritual gifts called the helper. Help me, Jesus. You know, Jesus said he would send another helper because if you're like me, I know I can't do much supernatural ministry, just me in my physical human self, right? I need the helper, Right. I need the helper to come and help me. And uh, this is the illustration. I brought Judah's Nerf sword here, which, by the way, one thing I noticed about the new Nerf stuff, it's not very soft anymore. Remember how Nerf used to be like the safe alternative? Well, this thing, I'm not going to whack Mandy with it, but um, just don't get hit by one of these because it's a little bit hard. But anyway, what I was trying to point out to you, this, the Bible says, is a representation of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit, right? And uh, sorry to be a little Sunday school lesson-ish on you, but here on this side, it's a double-edged sword. Everybody likes to talk about the fruit, as they should. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, etc. Because that's important, right? Everybody wants to demonstrate, right? WWJD. What would Jesus do? We want to be like Jesus on the inside in the way that we love people. But you can't have one without the other. If you have the fruit of the Spirit operating in your life, you're also going to have what? The power of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit manifesting through your life. In fact, I think that you really don't get one without the other. And like I said, in the church we like to emphasize the fruit for obvious reasons. But let's really not forget to put an emphasis upon the gifts. Because when I look in the mirror each day, I have to not only ask myself the question, am I loving my neighbor as myself? But I also have to ask myself the question, am I releasing what God has put inside of me? I'll only put the sword down before it gets nasty. Am I releasing what God has put inside of me in terms of the gifts that he's given me to steward? Amen? Now, here's the secret. How many people would like for God to download on your hard drive supernatural gifts and to release them through you? You want God to do that, right? That's the bottom line. We can't work it out. We need God to do it. Now, here, um, I'm going to take a few minutes, and then I'm going to move into a clinic session here, okay? This is going to be an experiment, okay? So I hope everybody in the room, I want everybody to participate in this, young and old, however old you are in here, 
And uh, I'm going to ask, we're going to actually do an experiment with one of the gifts of the Spirit here in just a little bit. And it's going to be kind of hands-on, so it'll be fun. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I want to start off with one of my, this passage of Scripture in Revelation 4 has become one of my favorites over the past oh, year or so. Revelation 4, verse 1. John had this incredible vision. Obviously, he wrote Revelation of Jesus Christ from this vision. And he said, After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open heaven, open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Can you imagine having a vision? I mean, wow. Immediately, I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Can you imagine that kind of scene? A very vivid uh, revelation. Many of us have had similar visions like this. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne. Everybody say seven lamps of fire. I want you to get that image in your head. Seven lamps of fire. As we speak right now, around the throne of God, there are seven lamps of fire. How big is the fire to you? Big fire? Like big bonfires is what you're seeing? Are you seeing like a little sweet lantern? You know, I don't know. I don't know what they are. But this isn't just like some vision a guy had a few thousand years ago. This is there now. Like as we speak right now in 2011 or whatever today is, May 1st, 2011, there are, as we speak, in heaven, that supernatural realm, these bonfires, these big fires, seven of them. That's important. And what does it say after that? Which are the seven spirits of God. Have you ever read that? What what are the seven spirits of God? Well, many theologians, well, let me say this first because I think this is cool. You remember what happened on the day of Pentecost? The Holy Spirit fell like a mighty rushing wind, blew through the room where the 120 were gathered. And what did they see appear? It looked as if tongues of fire were resting over the people's heads or on them, or I don't know how how they saw that exactly. And it dawned on me, wow, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Before the throne of God. By the grace of God, it says we can come boldly there. And when we do, guess what happens? As if it were tongues of fire will rest upon you. That is where the manifestation of the gifts of God, the spiritual gifts, the supernatural gifts of heaven, are released on us as we come before the throne. As we're just in our time with Him, just being with Jesus. We'll see a scripture in a minute where it says the disciples, they knew Peter and John had to be some, they were really uneducated guys. They knew that. So uh, something's different about these guys. And they said, oh, they've been with Jesus. Before the throne, those seven fires are blazing, not only just for the atmosphere of heaven, but also for you and I's benefit. Isn't that awesome? And they're being released right now. So, you know, over the past years, we've emphasized, you know, let's pray, let's the Holy Spirit release more fire, fire, fire this, fire that. If you've ever wondered, well, what's the real reason for the fire of God? I mean, other than the cliche, well, man, that guy's on fire. 
You know, what does that mean exactly? One of the things that it means, I think probably the primary things that it means, is there is something spiritually going on with that guy, Sam, if I'm saying, that guy's on fire. There's something going on spiritually. He's connecting with heaven, literally, is what that means. And spiritual gifts, with his permission, can and be released through him. Now, here's one thing I've noticed about myself and supernatural gifts. I have a lot more of them than I know. Okay, did you hear that? You have a lot more things operating with inside of your spirit, man or woman, whatever the case may be, than you may realize. And this is one thing that Byron's taught me. If you listen to what he talks about, is it's not as a, uh, oh, what's the word? It's not as hyper-spiritual as you and I may think it is. It's really just, whew, right there it is. The kingdom of heaven is within us. It's right there. Now, there's layers and all that. I don't want to get too complex on that. But God wants to give you and I some, some stuff. Okay? Because quite frankly, as we talk about over and over again every day on the news, the world's getting darker and darker. That's probably not going to get any better. Okay? But the good news is the glory of God is going to cover the face of the earth. I mean, we're going to see manifestations of God's glory on unprecedented levels, you know? I mean, it could be that we have food shortages one day. I don't know. I hope not. But could be we have that. But hey, you ever thought about this? We're going to see a lot more food multiply miraculously than we ever saw before. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I heard a story of a guy picking up a hitchhiker, broke down on the side of the road, ran out of gas. He put water in the gas tank and drove 500 miles. Like literally water turned to gas instead of water to wine. Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll see God do stuff like that. When the darkness is really dark, the light is all that much brighter. I had a, heard a story recently of this Anglican priest in Baghdad, of all places. He's got his church in Baghdad, the, church of, the Anglican church. And he said literally, I'm not exaggerating, all who come for Jesus to heal them in Baghdad get healed. All. He said, wait, did I mention this? In the last three months, we've had over 100 members of our congregation killed in the violence in Baghdad. You see, it's the best of times and the worst of times. You know what I mean? Because I was like, Lord, all? Are you serious? Like, are you different in Baghdad right now than you are in Mooresville? No. Is your word any different there than it is here? No. Then why am I not seeing all healed? Well, (laughs) have you seen that much darkness? You know, I mean, we like to think that one comes without the other, but I don't know. I mean, look at the early church, right? In the midst of extreme persecution. I mean, how many times was Paul shipwrecked and whipped and beaten, stone left for dead, you know what I'm saying? I haven't gone through that. I'm not asking for it, but I am looking for God to be glorified. Whatever comes, comes, but God's going to receive the glory. Amen? So that's what happened in Acts 2. Now, the seven spirits of God, Isaiah, 700 years before Christ, prophesied this about Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this one God. This is Isaiah 11, verse 1. He says this, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his, Jesus' roots. Here's number one. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That's speaking of the Holy Spirit exalting the Lord's rule himself. 
and the spirit of wisdom, two, and understanding, three, the spirit of counsel, four, and might, five, the spirit of knowledge, six, and the fear of the Lord, number seven. The seven spirits of God are right there. And I believe those are a direct naming of the seven spirits of God that John wrote about that surround the throne of heaven manifested in literal flames of fire and lamps of fire. And those seven spirits, what springs out of them are about 22. I don't think it has to necessarily be fixed on that number in the New Testament. Okay. In Romans 12, this is review for some of you, but other people have never heard it before. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4 are generally where you find 21 or 22 spiritual gifts. And I think if you could trace all of those gifts back to those seven, okay? From those seven, they multiply outwards. And that's what I want to attempt to do over the next coming months as I have the opportunity. Today, we'll do maybe two, all right? So let's just do that. Um, let me go on. Okay, let's go to the word, first of all, in 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. This is kind of our text that we're going to start out with. There's about eight to nine uh, gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12. And a number of weeks ago, Byron emphasized, he walked into the room, he said, and said that the Lord said spiritual gifts. And that morning, we blade hands and received an impartation just generally of spiritual gifts. And I want you to hear my heart. Paul says in Ephesians that the job of a pastor is not to do the work of the ministry, right? Primarily. The job of the pastor is to equip the congregation, the church, to do the work of the ministry. So that's why I'm, I'm just trying to give away anything I feel like the Lord's shown me so that we all, as a body, and we'll study this more in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, we're supposed to work together, all having different kinds of gifts and manifestations of the gifts as one body. And I feel, I feel like, to be honest, and this is, this is really an encouragement, we've got a long ways to go, you know? I mean, praise God, He's brought us by His grace to this point, but I think we can, get, we can go further. How many people believe that? Like, that's exciting, because I think, shoot, man, the, the ceiling can come off of this place. When we all start operating in the spiritual gifts that God has not only given us, but Paul said, earnestly desire, even lust after the spiritual, the supernatural. And then the English translators throw in gifts on that scripture, but it really says, Lust after, earnestly desire the supernatural. Okay? That's the Bible. That's what the Bible says. So that's what we're going after. All right, here's a definition, which, well, actually, before I say that, let me remind you, 1 Corinthians 2 says that we all have the mind of Christ. You know, so all of these things obviously were exemplified in the man, God, Jesus Christ himself. And we have that same mind. What mind is it? Is it this mind? Everybody say no. No, it's not this mind. It's the mind of your what? The mind of your heart or the mind of your spirit, right? The mind of your heart. That's the mind of Christ that we have. Word of wisdom. Here's what it is. A spiritual utterance at a given moment through the spirit, supernaturally disclosing the mind, purpose, and way of God as applied to a specific situation. Let me say that again if you're taking notes. A spiritual utterance 
at a given moment through the Spirit, supernaturally disclosing the mind, purpose, and way of God as applied to a specific situation. I want to emphasize supernaturally, okay? And we'll come back to that. It's a supernatural thing. It's not something you can just kind of sit down, put your nose, you know, put your wheels to the grindstone and just figure it out. It's supernatural. You receive it. How? By faith. Same way you get anything in the kingdom of heaven. By faith. All right. Here's some examples from the Bible. First of all, in the Old Testament. I don't have time to read the whole passage, so I'll summarize. King Solomon. King Solomon was kind of a prototype of a Christ figure. Okay? Specifically in the situation of wisdom. You remember that's the one thing he asked for. When God asked him, he got wisdom. In a dream, by the way. That always kind of blew my mind when I saw that for the first time. Here this guy has a dream. God says you can have anything you want. What is it? He said, I want wisdom. He said, done. And he literally woke up from the dream and it came true. You know? Can you Usually we're like, man, oh, too bad that was just a dream. <laughs> it's not actually going to happen. No, he took it by faith. And God actually did it. Just some dream he had, you know? Anyway, he has this situation, and I'll grab my sword again because it's appropriate. But uh, he has two prostitutes that come to him in the kingdom, and they've actually both given birth recently, have newborn babies. And so they, they, the, an unfortunate thing happens as they're sleeping with their babies beside them in the night. One of the women accidentally rolled over during the night and suffocated her baby, and her baby died. So... Terrible, and it gets worse, seeing the other, her friend, and her baby's still alive. Before her friend wakes up, she goes and switches the babies. And obviously her friend wakes up and is pretty upset because she recognized this is not my baby. And the other woman refused to, yes it is, you know, what are you talking about? So anyway, they go before the king. I mean, what would you do in this situation? Put that up there, First Corinthians, I mean, sorry, First Kings 3. I think it's in verse 22. Then the other woman said, No, but the living one is my son, and the dead one's your son. The first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And verse 23, And the king said, The one says, This is my son who lives, and your son's the dead one. The other says, No, but your son is the dead one, and my son's the living one. Then the king said, Bring me a sword. <laughs> Does that sound like wisdom to you? Bring me a sword. Oh, wow. Okay, what are you doing? Bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, I tell you what, we'll divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. She said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. Okay, well, we know whose it is now. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Now, how many people know that we need leaders and judges in America that have godly wisdom? Even by the Spirit, not figuring it out, or not what consensus says, but what is the Spirit of God saying to do in a given situation? Mercy, Lord, let that be the case for us. In the New Testament, here's a New Testament example of the word of wisdom, literally. And this is more in our context because it is closer to us in history. 
Matthew 10, Jesus said to them, You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour. Turn to your neighbor and say, it will be given to you. Yeah, in that hour, it will be given to you what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Did you hear that? It's not you who speaks. Okay, again, that goes to the supernatural nature of this gift. How many people have ever been, like you're trying to help your friend or somebody asks you a question and you have no idea what the answer is, but for some reason, you open your mouth and it's like the answer comes out. Has anybody ever experienced that? Or, you know, whatever, you help them with their problem and you're thinking, what the heck, that wasn't me. You know, I wish I had that recorded. That was awesome, but I can't take credit for it because I don't even know what I said. It's the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom comes out. Here's another one, Acts 4.13. Now when they saw, this is what I was referring to earlier, basically Peter and John had raised this crippled guy who was 40 years old, all his life crippled, they healed him, and they get in a, big, a lot of trouble with the religious leaders, the Sadducees, and uh, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they're like, dang, what did they go to the fifth grade? <laughs> Those guys can't be very smart, how do they do this? They marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. See, these uneducated fisher guys, fishermen, are giving really good answers. They're like, wait a second, something, something out of the ordinary is happening here. Oh, I know what it is. They've been with that guy. You know that guy. You know he parts, you know, he walks on water, that guy. They've been with Jesus, and they could say nothing against it. All right, Brian, it's getting stirred up. Come on. The word of knowledge. This will be the last one. The word of knowledge is something that probably about 2000, 2008, the Lord really began to stir in me personally. And I was thinking about this this morning. Quite honestly, that outpouring in um, Lakeland, Florida, really did a big part, not for me and for all of us, I think, but I realized um, seeing what God was doing there mainly through Todd Bentley, was, oh, wow, God can do this. I can do this. We all can do this, okay? And for the next, gosh, I don't have long, so I just want to give you some keys here, okay? And you can release words of knowledge that aren't you, but they're easy to get, okay? You just have to take my word for it. I, I was reading some things that Randy Clark wrote recently, who's a long-time healing evangelist guy, prophetic healing guy. And he said that he was a full-time pastor in the ministry for 14 years before he ever got a word of knowledge. Or actually, he said, before I got and knew what it was. Okay, so I'm going to try to help you. All right, help us, Jesus. We need the helper. 1 Corinthians 2.12. Paul wrote, now we, oh, let me give the definition of word of knowledge. Is there like a word document? It's not very like multimedia-ish cool church-like, but there's a Word document there. Yeah, go down. It's got this definition. Whoa, go back to number two. There it is. Number two, go up. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, back to the other number two. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay. A supernatural revelation of information received through the Holy Spirit pertaining to a person or an event. 
It's given for a specific purpose, usually having to do with an immediate need. Example, healing. It is knowledge received apart from natural analysis or human means. Okay, again, by the way, if you want to take a good spiritual online spiritual gifts test, write down that uh, website. You just answer these quick questions. There's like a hundred of them or so. And it gives you an automatic tally of what's more than likely the gifts that at least God's shown you that you're operating in just naturally in your life. I'd encourage you to do something like that if you've never done it. Because it's good to know what is naturally the gifts God's given me. Or if I don't have this one, what do I want? You know, what's God offering to me? So, um, 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. That, isn't it wild that the creator of the universe knows stuff that we don't, but wants to share it with us? I mean... The first part's a duh. Obviously, he knows stuff we don't. But the fact that he wants to share it with me just blows my mind. Like, why would he want to share information with me? I don't know, but he does. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. So not only has he given us knowledge of things, he wants us to open our mouths and speak those things. Why is that? Well, because if you hold on to stuff... How is anybody ever going to hear it? And if they don't hear it, how is some, a connection between heaven and earth going to be made? Well, obviously it may be possible because God could do anything, but I really believe that literally whenever God gives me a word of knowledge and I have just enough boldness to open my mouth and just say it, something happens. There's some linking in the spirit world between heaven and earth. I, I would go on this long explanation, but I don't have time to. It has to do with a linking of faith. God's faith with our faith, though. And there's some other factors there. The word, the spoken word is so critical. I'll never forget one of the first times that I stepped out in a word of knowledge. I was so scared. I was like, have you ever, you know, known God's telling you to do something? You're just too scared to do it. You know, and then you like, you regret it later or whatever. In this case, I'm just like, oh gosh. You know, I got this word, this, this number, okay, during church. And it was the number 1989, okay. And then I got neck, and then I got whiplash. And you got to be careful of putting things together and putting your own stuff on just the words God gave you. Usually you want to deliver it just the way you got it and let the Lord sort that out. In this case... He gave me a complete picture. And so I, we were wrapping up church. Byron had preached. We were done. It's time to go home. Time to go to lunch. I just grabbed the mic. I was like, oh, excuse me. Uh, I think that I might sort of kind of like have maybe a word. But if it's not anybody here, it's okay. You know, and I just got this like 1989. I'm just, if, is anybody in a car accident in 1989 and got whiplash and you still got effects in your net. Okay, God bless you. If it's not you, don't worry about it. Just, we'll see you next week. You know, just really apologetic, scared, like not really wanting to do it. And I was the most surprised room, person in the room when Cindy Martinez comes running down. That was me. I was in a car. I was in 19, you know. And you know, she got healed, and it was an awesome thing. But I realized if I never open my mouth to speak the word, what, you know, what are the consequences of that? Um, I don't have this scripture up there, but one scripture that came to me just during worship was in, is in Luke 7, 
where the centurion, the, uh, he comes to Jesus and his servant is on the brink of death at home. Do you guys remember that passage? The centurion's servant. And he comes to Jesus and they convince Jesus to go to this non-Jewish guy's house to pray for his servant who's about to die. But before he starts the journey there, but before he, somebody comes and stops him and says, no, don't worry about coming. Actually, Jesus, I'm a man under authority. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, I've never seen faith like this in, in, in Israel. Who is this guy? And I saw that one time, I'll never forget, speak the word. And the Lord said, for goodness sakes, Matthew, just speak the word. If the Spirit of God lives in you, speak the word and let me heal people. Because that's exactly what he did. He said, okay, as your faith is, let it be done. He spoke the word. And they said, the Bible says when he got home, they tracked it back. That very hour, his servant rose up out of his bed and was completely healed. It's the word of knowledge. That's how powerful it is when you say, I've got the Lord. I think the Lord's showing me somebody's got hepatitis B. Okay? That was a word I got earlier this morning, so I'll pray for you later, or, or a family member, if you got that. Hepatitis B, as soon as I speak the word hepatitis B, the word of the, it's not me, but the word of the Lord proceeds from my mouth and connects with something in the spiritual atmosphere that can literally bring a manifestation of healing for the glory of God in somebody's body. It's a soul-winning tool. You remember the story? I'm not going to read all these. You can write down the references if you like. John 4:15, the Samaritan woman at the well. You remember that? And you remember how Jesus sat down with the woman, and she's, he's like, can you give me a drink? She's like, Duh, yeah, I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. And Anyway, come to find out that she's like, he says, call her husband, and she says something, and he's like, well, I know that's not your husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. The guy you're living with now um, is not even your husband. And sounds like a pretty harsh word of knowledge, but Jesus' love, the love of the Father must have been so incredible because the woman just melted. She's like, I perceive you're a prophet. And she gets saved and then goes back and gets all of her, all of her friends and family, and they come back and get set, you know, come to the Lord too. It's a soul-winning tool, the word of knowledge. Number two... Acts 9.10, it's a, div, a divine knowledge for healing, and this happened to come in an open vision. Okay, and this is a story where Saul, who was persecuting the Christians and killing them and putting them in prison, came, you know, had Jesus appear to him on the Damascus Road and came to Christ, but in his Holy Ghost encounter with Jesus, he was blinded. You remember that? He literally could not see anything for a, a period of time. And anyway, in an open vision, the Lord came to this guy named Ananias, who was just hanging out praying, and said, I want you to go to this house. He gave him the address. He went there, and it says his blindness fell off his eyes like scales falling away from his eyes. There's a word of knowledge for the manifestation of healing in Paul's, on Paul's eye, for Paul's eyes. Isn't that awesome? Number two, I'm, not, I'm sorry, number three, Acts 22:17, a warning of danger. Um, Paul had this, he actually went into a trance, which we'll have to explain that later, but it's another supernatural encounter, a little bit different from a vision, but similar. And he saw um, the Lord there, warning him of danger coming his way. Um, fourth, for provision, uh, in Matthew 17, there's this debate as to whether the disciples should have to pay the temple tax or not. 
And Jesus tells him, hey, go get this fish down here, open its mouth, it's got a coin in it, you can pay your temple tax. You know, it's a demonstration of a word of knowledge for provision. Now, when we have more time, I'm going to come back to this next time, because i got a lot more on this. But how many people believe, not because you're anybody special or something, or maybe you haven't sinned this week or something, but how many people believe, just because God's God, and we're not, and just because of the grace of God, He could give you a word of knowledge right now that could result in somebody being healed. How many people believe that? Okay, that's an awful lot of hands, so we're going to put it to the test. Here comes the fun part, the experiment, and it's 1 o'clock. So we'll just do this and dismiss you if you want to hang around as we're praying for people. We did this in the first service. About eight people came up, and then people came up, and uh, after everybody dispersed, two people got um, major portions of healing just as a result of this little experiment here. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And then I'm going to wait for about 30 seconds. And let me just tell you something. Don't let your mind talk out of what God's putting in your spirit. It's real easy to do. Just first thing that comes to you. It's almost like playing that game, like first word and then the next. Almost like that, but let it come into your spirit. Don't try to figure it out. Just let God release it. Sometimes when people have pain that's not theirs in their body, come. Now, I've got ongoing back problems, so I'm not going to have a word of knowledge for backs this morning because that wouldn't be pain that's not mine. That's my pain, okay? But, like, I remember one time Sherry Starr came to me at the beginning of a meeting because she had this thing going on with her eye. She'd never had any issues with her eye, and she gave this as a word of knowledge, and sure enough, somebody came up and got healed in their eye as a result of that. Some, when we pray, you might have a vision in your mind's eye. Where, like this morning, I had a vision in my mind's eye, okay, just as I closed my eyes, of somebody's hand doing like that. So I gave that word of knowledge in the first service that somebody's got some major pain. I'm not, I wanted to say arthritis, I want to say crippled hand, but I don't want to put on it that it's something that it's not God. It's just me. I just saw this. So two people came up and got some healing in their hand just from me giving that word of knowledge. If that's you in here this morning, hey, it works too. So that's you, Mandy. So we'll pray for your hand and uh, get, let the Lord heal that. And then also sometimes you may have a vision. You may go to sleep at night. I've had this happen a couple of times. Not that much for me. But you can have a dream at night where you see either yourself or a family member or somebody, you know, dreams can be real representative, that you can get a word of knowledge for healing like that. Sometimes you could be walking through the grocery store and get a word of knowledge as you pass somebody or here at church. You know, just being aware of that, I think, is the first step, okay? Sorry, I don't mean to labor on here. So let's pray. You ready? Holy Spirit, you are so good. Just come right now. Show us what you got. Thank you, Lord. Just a couple more seconds. Glory. All right. Raise your hand if you got anything. How many people? Isaac did. John did. Rhonda. Good. Awesome. Well, will you guys be so bold? Just come up here and stand beside me if you got your hand up. Just real quick. Just come up here. I've already. Somebody's texting me already. Hopping on the text doors and all. That's awesome. Before we do this, I want to say a word about that. Every week on the announcement sheet, I'm going to have my number on there because we don't always have this much time in every service 
to get everybody to come up and stuff. So, hold on, Brianna, hold on. So when you text the word of knowledge, then me or Marla or somebody can just get up here real quick and say, hey, the congregation's got all these words. Here they are. If that's you, come up for prayer. And we can work as a team, isn't that awesome, as the body of Christ through text your word of knowledge. Or if you can't text, I'm sorry. If you can't text, I've got to make sure I cover my bases here. Write it down on a piece of paper and bring it up and stick it in my hand. That'll work. Okay, you get the point. And then we can do this every single week without having to have this much time. I'm going to go down, just give it just like the Lord gave it to you. Don't try to read anything into it. And then I want you all to listen up. Now listen carefully. If this is you or anybody you know. Now it may seem like I'm just trying to make this work, but I'm not. I've seen countless people that weren't in the room get healed. When we prayed representative prayer, like somebody in place of them, get healed from, just like that centurion servant. Speak the word. He's not here right now, but speak the word and my servant will be healed. It, God heals in that way a lot of times. Okay? Now for you guys, if nobody comes to you, don't get discouraged. Because numerous times I've had people come up to me as I'm leaving church going, you gave this word and I just didn't really want to come up there, but it's me. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, or it, you never know. So let's just be bold here. We'll just go down the line real quickly. Buzz. Uh, heart problems. Cataracts. Uh, left ankle and the back of the neck. Nose. Nose. Um, egg size lump undiagnosed. Egg size lump undiagnosed. Um, tightness in the chest. Tightness in the chest. Shoulder. Bone fracture. Chronic nosebleed. A blood problem. Um, I got three things. I got paranoid schizophrenia, meliothesioma, and a dyloid cancer. Um, left shoulder, possibly sports injury. It's all like a huge scar. Pancreas. Um, a problem with hearing that's causing a ringing. Okay. Um, I got heart murmur, asthma, and gunshot wound. Okay, wow. Isn't that awesome? All right, so if you can remember, come to the person that said whatever it is. If you, I mean, it doesn't matter if you don't remember exactly who it was. But you can come up here right now, and God's going to release healing all through this. Yeah, somebody with a gunshot wound. Again, you may not be in the room, but... Uh, I felt like, like maybe it may even be a heal, but you yeah. still have a problem with it or something. Yeah. I know somebody with a gunshot wound, so I'll stand in for that, actually, too. So come on up here, and let's all just stand up, and uh, I'm going to dismiss you. And uh, we'll text me or email me your testimonies, guys. Testimonies from today. We'll just keep this going. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for all the good stuff that's happened today. Amen. All right, you can be dismissed.